Father, we just thank you tonight for that powerful truth that Jesus came anointed of the Father and went about doing good, healing the sick, raising the dead, and paying for our sins, and rose again on the third day. Lord, we just thank you for that powerful truth that is real in our hearts tonight. Lord, we just thank you, God, that you overcame every every impossibility so that you could freely love us. And just bless these few words tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Tuesday night we had a Bible study at my house, and I just wanted to talk about a few things that we covered there. And if you could turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm not going to speak long tonight. Um, Sunday is going to be an interesting day because um, these last few days God's really been speaking to me about the church here and what God wants to do. In, uh, can you everyone hear me? I don't need the mic. God's been really speaking to me about the church and what God wants to do here in the next five years. And what I want to do is I want to give Sunday morning an outline of what I think God will do in the next five years here in our church. And it's going to be laying out basically the vision for the next five years here. And um, I think it's going to be very inspirational, very encouraging, and and uh, so that's going to be an awesome time. First Peter chapter one, verse three. We're going to read verses three through uh, nine. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefined, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Verse 5, who are protected by the power of God through faith. In the King James it says, who are kept by the power of God through faith. For a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith being much more precious than gold, which perishes, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation or the deliverance of your souls. And just for a few minutes, I wanted to talk about why God tests and what are the purpose of tests, and some of the some of the concepts that, that we have can have of what a test is, and we have to understand that when a test comes into our life, the sole purpose of the test is for us to be promoted by God in the kingdom, 
and to be blessed by God. And when calamity or trouble faces an individual in the world, they always ask this question, why me? Why did this happen? And we find ourselves really in the center of our analysis of the situation. And we have to understand that in these verses, that the purpose of a test, whatever, however small it is or however, however great it is, is for God to promote us. God wants to first promote the believer in the invisible kingdom, a person that is just walking by faith in their life, living in God's plan, receiving grace every day, taking up their personal cross, may not look like God's promoting them, but there will be a period of time where God just promotes them in the invisible kingdom, although people won't see that. Remember when Jesus was growing up and the demons said, we know who you are, and Jesus said, do not tell, he told people that he did miracles for. In the beginning, he said, do not tell anybody what I've, what I've done to you. Because promotion happens first in the invisible kingdom, although people don't see that. And it could be that before external promotion or external blessing or an external answer to our prayers happens, there could be a period of time where it, by sight looks like nothing's happening. But we know inside we're growing. And there's an amazing work going on inside of us. And so for spiritual growth to take place, this is really important. We have to have truth on the inward parts. I want to read to you in Psalm 51. And you know what? A lot of Christianity, many people in Christianity, have no way to discern the purpose of a trial in their life. And, and they have no criteria how to make a judgment about t- tough times in their life. They have no criteria to make a good decision like, why is this happening to me? What is the purpose of this? And Psalm 51, it says here in um, verse 6, Behold, thou dost desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part thou wilt make me to know wisdom. So that verse tells us that God wants us to have truth on the inward parts. And that is pertinent truth. That's truth that's pertinent for our life in Psalm 51, verse verse 6. That means that the Word of God is for us the criteria or the pertinence of what's happening in our life. A circumstance happens, and then we have the discernment to make that understanding, that judgment of why things are happening to me. Unfortunately, many people go to a church or do not belong even to a church that does not teach any truth but has more of an entertainment program or a religious program. And so God wants us to grow. He sends trials our way so that we grow. And he sends us difficulties so we can grow. Remember what Joshua said about the enemies in in the promised land? He said they are bread for us. Remember when he said that? They're bread for us. And what was bread in the Old Testament? Bread in the Old Testament represented basic sustenance. It was their necessary food. Joshua is saying that if we do not overcome these enemies, then we are going to starve to death. We're not going to grow. And so hard times for the believer is really the most nutritious thing for the inner man, isn't it? It's the most needed thing that we have. And so God sends us these tests and the purpose of these tests is that we would, just a 
fivefold reason. I'm going to go, go through these quickly. Number one, to grow in James 1, 2, and 4. Um, number two, it's to, it is these tests are for the fulfillment of God's plan in our life to take us to the next step. God wants to take you and I to the next step, and He wants to take our church to the next step. God wants to take our families to the next step, to where we see the answers to our prayers, where we see little victories and big victories in our life. And these are tests that God sends so that we can overcome them. The third reason is to grow in God's power. And when we can learn how powerful God is and to rest in God's power, that God's power is bigger than man, bigger than what people do to us, and bigger than ourselves. Number four, it's to glorify Christ. To glorify Christ. And then number five, James 1 verse 12, it's to teach us and to bring us joy in our life. Whenever you and I go through a very difficult time, there's a lot of joy at the end because we saw the faithfulness of God, didn't we? Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 is very comforting. It says that there's no trial or temptation that comes to us, that overcomes us, that is not common to man. That we are not going to be tempted beyond that we were able. And the point here is not the point here is not that God sends us trials so that we learn how to endure. That's not the purpose of a trial. That I'm how you doing? I'm just getting through this situation. You know, like oh, I'm just struggling through this. I'm just I'm enduring. It's like God did not call us to endure. God called us to overcome, didn't he? He called us to live, to be victorious. And how does that happen in our life? That, that happens by receiving grace. In James chapter 4, verse 6, 7, and 8, that we receive grace. And this is where the name of our church came from, that God gives greater grace to the humble. And you know, we consider ourselves people that really need a lot of grace. And that's why we call our church greater grace from that Bible verse. And so there are many different kinds of tests that happen. And these tests are called momentum tests. And uh, I'm going to finish with this. A momentum test is something that comes into our life that has the purpose to increase our momentum with God. You know, in, in the world of physics, there are these tests that they call momentum tests. And for some people, when a momentum test comes into their life with the purpose from God to accelerate this person in God's plan for their life, if we don't receive grace from God and wisdom from God, then this test that was sent to us from God to accelerate our growth could actually become a stumbling stone and cause us to fall right down, right, right flat on our face. There are many different kinds of sources that these tests come from. And we always have to remember in hard times that the purpose of the hard time is that God wants us to learn how to be an overcomer in this circumstance so that we can advance with God and grow in grace in 2 Peter 3, 18. The last words of, Jesus, of, of, of Peter, he said, grow in grace. And so we got to remember this, that whenever a hard time comes, it's God saying, look, I want to give you an opportunity to overcome, and it's not about you, and it's not about the situation. It's about me promoting you and don't give up and don't throw in the towel. There's, I think that there's seven or eight different various momentum tests. 
sources from these. There's, there's different sources that these tests can come from. Number one, our old sin nature. I mean, our old sin nature can throw stuff at us. Our sinful nature can throw things at us that we look at that and we get intimidated by temptation. And we have to remember that temptation is something that happens in our life for the purpose of us learning how to receive grace in our life and being an overcomer. Think of all the things that you overcame this year. Think of that in the last few years, what God, God gave you grace and you overcame them. Think of that. That's amazing, isn't it? Think about how thing, things that you don't struggle with now that you struggled with three years ago. Okay? God sent that, allowed that, and guess what? Now you have more acceleration in your life with God. And a moving target is very hard to hit. Number two, the second kind of source of a momentum test is people. <laughs> you know, we live in a world of just old, of people that fallen human beings, don't we? And I think if you come to our church, it's not going to be long before you find out that we are fallen also. And that doesn't give us an excuse to live in our fallen nature, but sometimes people go to a church, and rightfully so, they should, there should be an expectation to see Christ in the church. But just because I eat food that may not be good and makes me sick, it doesn't mean that I never eat food again, Okay. We live in a, in a fallen world, and God sends people our way to rub us the wrong way. You ever rub a cat the wrong way or a dog? God allows that so that we can grow in understanding how to overcome uh, in, the, in this test and that we could grow in God's patience, God's love, and God's, God's wisdom for people. Another source that God uses is thoughts, our thought life. How about, his, how about this one? Here's another one, organizational testing. And that means that when we may be a part of an organization that maybe a decision is made and that bothers us or it hurts us, and God allows that. Because we have to remember that God is bigger than an organization. God is bigger than people. There are many other different kinds of sources that God uses. But we have to remember that in all things, all things work together for good. For them that love God and that are called according to his purpose. I'm going to close with this. That Romans chapter 8 has to be the way we critically think about um, our, our life. Romans 8 verse 29 it says. Um, in verse 28 it says that we know that God causes all things to work together. For good to those who love, to God, for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. And what it says here is that God causes all things to work together. And that's a very important word, work together, because I think sometimes we could live with a lot of defragmentation in our life where how is this thing going to work together with this thing so that there's a positive, godly result? God causes that to work together. For example, maybe I have a relationship problem with somebody, and then and then how does that relate to my ministry or to my portion in the church? Or I have a health problem or I have a problem in my thought life. And how is that going to work together with this other thing? God makes all of those things pertinent and work together for what? Destruction? For pain? No, for good. And this is the way that we have to think about our lives with God is that... that 
everything that happens in our life is going to work together for good. And the truth is that not everything works together for everyone because not everyone understands the love of God and not everyone understands their calling according to God's purpose. If I don't understand God's love and if I don't understand the purpose of God, then I'm not going to understand how this thing works together for good in my life. And so some people are going to say, I don't know why God allowed this. But we have to understand two things, God's love. We have to understand God's love. And number two, we have to understand the purpose of God. And I'll finish with that, is that Job, Job had no idea. Job did not read the book of Job before Job was tested. Job chapter 1, we see a conversation between God and the devil. And God says to, Job, God says to the devil, have you seen Job, my righteous servant? You know, God says to the devil, uh, Satan, did you, have you seen my righteous servant Carl? Or have you seen my righteous servant Kim? Or my righteous servant, whoever. And, and the devil says, if you let me test them, then they're not going to be so righteous. And so God says, okay, test them, but you're limited. And Job had no idea he was being tested. We have the benefit of reading the book of Job. But Job, in his trials, he had seven major trials, and he failed 80% of them. He only, he only passed the last test. And that if, if Job is any kind of a pattern of humanity, then we, could, we should not be disappointed if we are falling down and stumbling 80% of the time. In the end, Job receives grace and wisdom from God, and he looks at his situation from God's divine perspective, and he has wisdom about it. And at that point, God accelerates him. And guess what happens in Job's life? What did happen? What happened with Job in the end? What did he receive? Received what? Twice, right? Twice as much as what he lost, right? That's what happened. And that was God's intent all along. God wanted to bless Job and double what he had. But Job had to God God had to do it through difficulties. And I just want us to just think about that tonight when we look at our life and just have this type of critical thinking that we don't fail in thinking to the end of what God's purpose is for difficult times. So um with that, maybe we could just have a little time of prayer. And um, we want to remember uh, prayer for this weekend. Also, uh, Margie. I haven't seen Margie for a while. Um, and then for Judy. And then for anyone else, okay?